Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence here, for your anointing on me, your anointing on the words that are going to come out of my mouth. Father, I can speak words, but you speak life, and you speak peace, and you speak grace to the hearer. And we just pray that you would have your way with the words that I speak tonight, and let him minister life in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've had this cooking for a while. And I'm really excited to talk about it tonight. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Kings chapter 17. And actually, Pastor Rob kind of started it off this weekend. If you were here on Sunday, he was talking about miracles. He kind of touched on Elijah a little bit. And I know I have said that Joseph is my favorite, but really Elijah is my favorite. (laughs) And so we're going to talk about Elijah tonight. And we're going to talk about miracles. And a miracle... Uh, takes place when there is an impossible situation that would not be changed without the intervention of the power of God, right? Who needs a miracle? Can I raise my hands, my feet? (laughs) We have things that we need in our lives. I'm sure you have things that you need in your life. And we're going to talk tonight about how to get the miracle from heaven to earth, right? Because everything that we have need of, it already exists in heaven. And that's why when Jesus said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven, he gave us access to everything that heaven contains. And we're going to see tonight how to bring that from heaven to earth. And so last year, I like to get a word for the year. And last year, I think I, I talked about this at the beginning of the year in 2012, my My word was trust, and he really worked with me and talked with me about trust. And guess what? It was the same word for this year. And so it was kind of, I was on repeat. (laughs) You know how you play the same song over and over? I was going through the same song over and over. But I already have my word for next year. Are you ready? It's contend. And isn't that a fun word? Because that, like, denotes work. (laughs) Trust is, is kind of good because, you know, you're looking at him and he's everything and everything's wonderful and he fills all of it. But contend means that you really have to go after something. So we're going to talk about contending tonight. We're going to talk about what we do with our words tonight. We're going to talk about how that relates to miracles tonight. And so we're going to hop, skip, and jump through First Kings 17 and 18. Are you ready? First uh, Kings seventeen one says, "Now I'm going to talk fast because uh, I am, and so you get to listen fast, and then we'll get it all in in the next twenty summer thirty minutes." You know. <laughs> now Elijah the Tishpite uh, said to Ahab, "As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my." Word. Now let's preface everything here with Elijah was a prophet, right? And prophets are the mouthpiece of God. So he had to have gotten that word from God to be able to speak it forth under the authority of God. Okay? And so he what we're gonna we're gonna see in chapter 17 a foundation, and then we're gonna look at something really interesting in chapter 18. And so um It said, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. 
So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So the word of the Lord came, Elijah did what the Lord said, and ta-da, miracle. Easy, right? Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went there. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. (laughs) And so Elijah said to her, are there any other widows in town? Because you can't be the right widow. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what I would have (laughs) said. Hello, Lord, you sent me to the widow who has nothing and wants to die. Okay, great. Good mission, good mission. No. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, right? So this is the word of the Lord for you. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So we have the word of the Lord, the obedience to the word, and bam, there was a miracle, right? Easy. And so then, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. And so she said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room, blah, 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 did a miracle. Her son comes back to life. Verse 24, then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Now I know. As if the oil and the flour weren't enough. Now she knows. It took this other miracle. Got to have more than one miracle. But this is confirming that the word of the Lord from Elijah is true, right? So we have the word of the Lord. We have the the action upon the word of the Lord and the miracle. So it's easy. We're all going to leave and get our miracles, right? All right, let's, let's read on. Um, where am I? Okay, we're moving on to chapter 18, verse 1. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Elijah has this conversation with Obadiah. Skip down to verse 15. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Why? Because the word of the Lord said, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain, right? And so we have a pattern here. The word of the Lord, acting on the word, miracle comes, right? And so we have the word of the Lord. Elijah's acting on the word. 
<clears throat> so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when he saw Elijah, he said to them, Is that you, troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, I have not made trouble for Israel. You and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word through all Israel to do this. Wait a minute. We had the word of the Lord, right? We had the action on the word of the Lord, right? Where's the rain? Ain't no rain. There's no rain a-fallen. There's not a cloud in the sky. Let's read on. Verse 21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. And then this is where we have the huge confrontation on Mount Carmel where he defies the prophets of Baal. And he says, we're both going to make this sacrifice. You call on your God. I'm going to call on my God. And whichever God answers by fire, he is God. And so we're going to come down to verse 29. It says, midday passed and they continued, the prophets of Baal, their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response from their God. No one answered. No one paid attention to their pleas. Then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. And they came and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each tribe, on and on and on. He arranged the wood. He cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering in the wood. Well, water and fire don't mix. I've tried to light wet wood. Have you ever? It doesn't work. And then he said, do it again, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it again. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. And I love that. I love the wild, radical, amazing faith that Elijah had in his God. Because if it was me, I'd have probably put one of those Duraflame logs on there and maybe some paper, some kindling, and some newspaper, and I might have tried to spark it. It was dry. They were in a drought. We might have tried to help God a little bit because we were afraid maybe he wasn't going to. You know, have you ever kind of tried to ask for something and you were a little hesitant, and should I, and shouldn't I, and well, maybe I will. Elijah was all out, man. He's like, put it on there, get it wet, and then they'll really know how amazing my God is. He's good. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire from the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench because that's what the word of the Lord said. Is that what the word of the Lord said? No. This had nothing to do with the word of the Lord. An amazing miracle from heaven that, you know, God never even promised. He didn't promise it. It wasn't his spoken word. It was just this kind of side journey in the whole let it rain, Lord. There's still no rain. I'm going to talk about contending for the word. So after the fire fell, 
All the people saw, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for is the sound of the abundance of rain. Still no rain. Still no sight of rain. But he's hearing something in the Spirit. He's hearing the sound of the abundance of rain. And so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Who knows what that means? He prayed. He put his face between his knees, and then he sent his servant, go and look towards the sea. And he did, and the servant came back and said, well, wouldn't you know it? It's raining out there. No. He came back and he said, nothing. So Elijah turns around, bows down, puts his face between his knees, and prays again. And he sends his servant again. And the servant comes back, nada. And he does it again. And he sends the servant again, nothing. Does it again. Sends the servant again. Are you with me? Again. We're contending. Why? Because God said it was going to rain. All these other things happened. All these other amazing things happened, which we're happy for. But what God said was going to happen hasn't happened yet. And I have something to do with this. So we sent him again. Nunca. He sent him again. Zilch. Seven times he sent him to look towards the sea. And nothing had changed until that seventh time. And he said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And my hand's smaller than your average man's hand. But if you saw in a blue sky a cloud this size, would you turn around and say, boy, howdy, rain's a-coming. Would that be the first thought? No. It wouldn't even be enough cloud to shade the sun. But he said, that's it. It's going to rain. You tell Ahab to get up there and it's going to rain. And Elijah put his, his robe between his belt, between his knees and took off running because he had faith in the word of the Lord. And guess what? It rained. Our words matter. Do you know what it means to contend? It means to assert something as a position in an argument. And I love the synonyms, to maintain, to hold, to claim, to argue, to insist, to declare, to profess, to affirm. And there are times in our lives where God blesses us with stuff that we didn't even ask for, right? Have you ever just turned around and somebody gives you something you're like, geez, I didn't even know I wanted that, but I really did. Aw, that's awesome. And there's times when God does that. But then there's times when there are specific words spoken for you and in your life that he has promised you. And you're like, hello, where is it? Nothing but blue skies shining on me. There's no rain. So what do you do then? You contend. And we were in service. When was that? 
a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, that I talked about, told you what I saw about the whip. And I want you to turn to John chapter 2. I want to read this to you. Because I saw, and I almost told Pastor Daniel, I got something. Let me share it. But I thought, no, this needs to cook. I need to look at it a little bit longer. I don't want to serve raw meat. John 2 verse 13 says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem, and in the temple area he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, doves, and sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. So Jesus, being a man of love, asked them to politely leave the temple. Because he was so sweet and kind, he got his happy voice out and said, Now, now, this is not the place for that. Is that what it says? Jesus made a whip. Okay, let's read that again. Jesus methodically, meticulously, premeditatedly, thinking about what he was going to do with the whip the whole time, sat down and fashioned with his very own hands a whip. And he went into that temple, and he drove those animals out, and he upturned those tables, and he kicked everybody that didn't belong there out. And we were sitting in service. I can't remember. It was a few weeks ago, and worship was going on, and it was strong. And he dealt with me about my words. And I was more, we have, who has something in their life that doesn't belong there? That looks the opposite of what the promise of God says. Anybody? Anybody? I do too. And so I kind of saw myself, okay, now, now, you can't stay here. You have to go now. Is that really going to kick it out? Mm-mm. And I, I saw myself in the spirit making a whip and driving it out. And do you know what I made the whip with? The word, those very promises and that very word that he promised, you fashion that on purpose into a whip and drive those things out of your mouth. How? How do you contend for those promises? How do you contend for the word of God coming to pass in your life? With your mouth. Ephesians 6, 17 says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now that sword is a weapon. It's supposed to be used offensively. It's a weapon. Today, it would say, take your shotgun, take your weather take your AK-47, <laughs> which is the word of God. They didn't have guns back then. The sword was the weapon of choice. It's your weapon against those things that don't belong in your life. Are you with me? And so if it's healing that you need, you're taking the Psalms that says, he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all my destruction. You're taking 1 Peter 2, 24 that says, by his stripes, I am healed. And you're speaking it, and you're speaking it, and you're speaking it. How long? How long do you speak it? Till it happens. How long did he pray? 
How many times did he send his servant? If he had to send him 20 times, I believe he would have sent him 20 times. And sometimes we get, we get really good started on it. And we get encouraged in church and we get pumped up and we hear something in worship or we hear a word. We go, yeah, I'm going to speak that. That is for me. By his stripes, I'm healed. Until we get up the next day and we still feel kind of sick. And we're like, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to speak. I feel kind of funny. I feel kind of funny speaking. You ever feel kind of funny? You know, when I first got saved, I would go up in my bedroom with my Bible, and I would sit down and go, well, I guess you're here. (laughs) And I'm here, and I'm talking into the air to myself, feeling a little strange. You know why? Because I wasn't accustomed to it. I had never talked to God before, but I could talk to the air all day now. I talk to him all day long, and I don't feel funny about it at all. Don't let the uncomfortableness of speaking the word to begin with keep you from speaking the word. That's what the enemy wants. Why? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue, and you will have exactly what you say. And don't be discouraged if it doesn't change the first time you speak it or the third time you speak it or the 20th time you speak it. It will change. God's word will always prevail as long as you contend. How many times did the children of Israel march around the wall? One time for six days and then seven times on the seventh day and then they were to shout, right? And the first day they marched around it and nothing changed. And the second day they marched around it and nothing changed. And the third day they marched around it, it didn't look any different. Not a brick fell out of place. Not even a little piece of mortar fell out of place. God didn't even give them an inkling of change. He didn't say, well, let me just have this one brick fall out of the middle of the wall so they can see that it's really being effectual. No, it was 100% by faith. All by faith. The sixth day they go around, nothing changes. The first time on the seventh day, it doesn't look any different. The seventh time on the seventh day, the wall didn't change. It didn't look any different until until they shouted. And then the whole thing came down at once. So you might be discouraged, thinking, no, I've been, I have been believing for this. I have been speaking to this. I have been proclaiming the word over this for days or weeks or months, and some of you even years, without seeing any inkling of change. But don't get discouraged. The whole title of my whole message, which I forgot to say at the beginning, was don't stop. Just don't stop. You don't stop until you see it. You don't stop until you see it. Do not grow faint and weary and discouraged. Don't give up the confidence of your trust in him and of speaking his word. Because when you have a word from the Lord and you act on it, it will come to pass. Maybe not immediately, but it will.
So don't stop. And there's a lot of you in here tonight that you're getting weary and you're getting discouraged because you haven't seen any change and it might even look worse. Right? Anybody? Can I get a witness? (laughs) That doesn't mean God's not working. It doesn't mean God's not working. We don't base our faith, our trust, our confidence, our actions on what we can see. We base our trust, our confidence, and our actions on what the Word says. And it says, if you don't give up, you will reap. Amen. So my whole purpose tonight was encourage you. We're coming into, well, we're into December. It's the end of 2013. Let's go out with a bang and let's go into 2014 with fire. Why? Because we're speaking the word and we're not going to stop. And it's not even just about our lives. There are some things getting ready to break loose in the kingdom, in this church. I've seen it in prayer. I know some of you have seen it in prayer. And I am so excited. (laughs) And I've been praying on it for a while. But guess what? I'm not going to stop. So don't stop. Don't give up. Amen? Are you with me? Amen. So we're not going to stop. We're not going to give up. Whoa, 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 what? You know, I don't, I, no, 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 no. I don't normally do this, but we, I just wanted to add an exclamation point to this. We, I remember it was a few years ago. And it just, as, as you were speaking about that, I just thought, this is, this is where we were. We got to a point where we were standing in faith for something, and um, it just seemed like all of hell opened up against us. And um, we, were, we were, you know, there was that, you know, nibbing at each other, husbands and wives, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, you're snipping, you're, you know, you're... And it just seemed like, not you, not you, dear. It was all me. It was all me. So what I'm saying was, though, I mean, and then the devil just begins to work in that, in that same way and just begins to, it just seems like there was an all-out attack. And um, I remember we talked to somebody. I, I don't even, was that, was that with Cher? Or, or, and they said that there was a, there was a prophetic word over us about a three, six, and a nine-month attack over us, and we were breaking through that, and uh, we just stood in faith and uh, just contended and stood together and said, you know what? This is the word of the Lord. We're going to get through this, and then it's just like she said, if we would have given up, the devil knew that if we would have given up, if we would have just thrown our hands up and said, you know what? This isn't worth it anymore. It's not worth standing in faith. It's not worth standing unified with the Word of God and what the Word of God said. I'm just going to throw my hands up and walk away from what he promised. No. He promised us faith. His, his Word was, I will provide. I will deliver. I will make you a success. I will do this. And he's, the promise is different for everyone. But just like she said, had the Israelites given up on the sixth day, on the twelfth hour, the eleventh hour, they'd have never seen it. But we're contending. Amen? Amen. 
We have testimony after testimony. I mean, some of them are way too private to share, but I can share one. Do you guys have time for one? It's 8.30 already, but can I take time for one? When Allie, our little girl, was three, oh, when she was two, she started to have petty mall seizures where she would seize up. And she had maybe one every two or three months. And then as, as the time progressed, she started to have them a little more often. And then they went from Penny Mall to Grand Mall. And then it was a couple of months, and it was enough to go to the neurologist. And so um, they never could find a trigger for her, but she was having some regular seizures, which anybody have experience with knowing somebody who, it's scary, it is this, I mean, you just know, and then I'm a researcher, so I start studying what can happen and what the effects are, which was dumb. I should have never done that. And <laughs> she just looked right at the promise, but because it brings fear. And um, so we took her to the neurologist, and, and he had to put her on medicine, which was lovely, because they act like a steroid, so then they're out of control with their emotions a lot of the time. And so I was in a place of fear. I knew what the promise said, but I wasn't seeing what the promise said. And um, I had a really hard time, to be honest with you, um, dealing with that fear and getting into that place of trust. And this is something that Holy Spirit told me to do. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take whatever miracle you're believing for and write it in your journal. So if you don't journal, that means you have to go out and get a journal and start journaling because you need to just because, and, um, <laughs> cause then you can look back and see how amazing God was. But, um, so I, I asked him what to do because I knew what the word says and I knew what trust was and I knew what faith was and I knew I was not anywhere close to that room. I was way out in the hallway. And so he dealt with me to put praise and worship music on 24-7. And so on every level of my house, we have a basement, a first floor, and a second floor. We had a CD of some sort playing on repeat day and night. I can't remember how many CD players we wore out, but um, we wore out a couple. And his dad, Michael's dad, came over one time to babysit. And he goes, oh, you left your music on. I turned it off. I'm like, no, because that's the word. And then you're singing along with it, and you're singing the word, and you're singing the promise, and you're speaking the word, and you're speaking the promise. But even more than that, Praise and worship sets an atmosphere, doesn't it? And it does live, and it does on the radio. (laughs) And it was changing the atmosphere in my home. And it was helping me get from that place of fear into that place of faith where I felt like I could speak to that and command it to go, and then it would. And then um, so we went back a couple times a month and then once a month for a while, and she had to be two years seizure-free on her medicine. So the prognosis was that he anticipated that the medicine would diminish the seizures but not get rid of them altogether and that she would likely be on the medicine for life. And I didn't like that prognosis, so that's not what I was saying. (laughs) I was saying that she was going to be seizure-free off the medicine. And so from the time she started the medicine, it was two years to the day almost, that she started it because she didn't have one 
more seizure. And even the doctor said, well, I can't believe this because I really expected her to have some. I expected her to have penny malls. I expected her to, it was just going to diminish. But so two years from that date, she got off it and she has not had a seizure since. And not because of who we are, but because I refused. I refused to let go. What's that? Help me here. You, Michael. (laughs) My people. Um, Without without God, without me, he will not. Without God, I cannot. Without me, he will not. He can't do anything in this earth unless we bring it from heaven to earth. And he gave us the responsibility with our mouth, right? That's why it's so important to make that whip with the word of God and let it come out of your mouth. Use your sword, your AK-47, whatever you want to call this weapon, (laughs) your weapon of choice. Use it. Attack it. Attack it. Don't wait for it to come after you. You go after it. Anything in your life that is not supposed to be there, you can drive it out, just like Jesus drove them out of the temple. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you to help. <laughs> Father, take this, this incomplete word that I have spoken tonight and break it apart into the hearts of everybody that was here as they leave. Father, cause this revelation to come alive. Say things to them that I never could have said. Break this bread, Father God, and make it alive on the inside of each one of us. And I pray that as we finish out 2013, we're not going to finish it weak, but we're going to finish it strong. We're not going to finish it running away, but we're going to finish it on the attack with your word coming out of our mouth. And I thank you for those situations changing and those miracles coming into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.